0: Thank you, everybody, for joining me on this podcast of special education information by Touching Success. My name is Joy, and I look forward to sharing this information with you today. Today, I want to talk about IEP, IFSP goals. So IEP is Individual Education Program, and IFSP is Individual Family Special Ed Program. So, how do IFSP and IEP goals work? Let's start at the very beginning. In the very beginning, the child gets referred, the child gets tested by somebody who is an expert or certified in the area that the concern is in. That person writes up a report and shows where the needs are. From the needs, we then go from there to creating IEP goals. So, something to remember is always IEP goals are created by needs that are found by assessment. Assessment equals needs, needs equal IEP goals, IFSP goals. IEP goals are designed to set goals for what we want the children to do within the following year, or targets. What target do we want them to meet? Maybe learning to dye their shoes, maybe putting on their own jacket for functional goals, Maybe learning how to read 50 words out of the communication binder. IEP goals can address different things. Some of them are academics, behavior, physical needs, and socialization. Again, these goals are designed based upon the needs that were found during the assessment. Assessment equals needs. Needs equal goals for IEP and IFSPs. Always important to keep that in mind as you're writing goals. Now every child is different, every child's needs are going to be different, so IEP goals in general should be different from other people in the classroom. You'll have some overlap, and I'll admit that's kind of nice when you have two or three students working on the same goal, you can work with them together most of the time, and that is helpful. But I have seen it where a child had the same IEP goal that the kid five grades up from her in the same classroom did and was just impossible to meet. There were maybe 10 target areas within one goal and none of it met her needs. As She was autistic and developmentally delayed and the other child was in that classroom because he had autism as well, but he was doing better academically. And you should never ever see that kind of thing on an IEP. When you pick up an IEP and three goals are the exact same as the three goals on another kid, exactly the same on another kid, exactly the same on another kid. Someone's being lazy. Someone's not reading that report, and someone's not seeing that the children have different needs. As a parent, really pay attention to the goals that are being laid down for your child. It could be perfectly fine and work really well, but there might also be goals that are laid down that don't fit your child at all, and make sure you ask about it. Why are they choosing that? How does that fit the needs that the assessment determined the child had? And goals have to be measurable. How are you going to measure that goal? What are going to be your standard that you know that the child has met that goal, that they have achieved what you want them to achieve? So must be measurable. Very important. Repeat it again. It must be measurable. So writing a goal that says, child will say hi. Okay, child says hi one time, they've met the goal for the year. Not measurable, not practical. Instead, a better way of writing that goal would be something along the lines of, when meeting a new person, student will greet appropriately with a hi, hello, or how are you, four out of five given opportunities, which means out of five people that the child meets, Then they say it correctly for four, and then for each quarter, you can increase that number. Okay, now he has to do it for seven out of ten children or people that they need to greet with saying hi or hello or how are you. So it's not only measurable, but it's flexible. Sometimes kids surprise us in surprising ways. I always ask my older students whether they're delayed or not, but if they have the ability to communicate wants and dislikes, likes, I'll ask them, what do you want to learn? What is your favorite thing to do? And what do you want to learn by this time next year? Now, they may not have the concept of next year, but they are hearing, what do you want to do? What do you want to learn? And I had this young lady who wanted to learn 50 words by the end of her IEP year. And I thought, hey, that's a great goal. Let's set that up. So I did. And I worked with her on it. And by the end of the quarter, not not even the end of the year, the end of the quarter, she was so motivated to meet that goal because she helped me market. Every time she got a new word, I let her market. She met that goal. So now what do I do? Well, I took it. I asked her, what do you want to do for this time next year? She said the same thing. I want to learn 15 new words. Okay. So I rewrote the goal, I sent it home to be signed, the parents were behind it, took it back and we started in on that and she did it again. So by the time the end of the school year came, she actually read 75 brand new words in her vocabulary and it was just so exciting and just a fantastic feeling to watch this child achieve this goal that they had helped write. But also it can happen with kids that you write the goal for. So for example, I had one child, the goal was designed to have the child stay on topic during story time or question and answer time, circle time, any of those times. She needed to stay on topic because she was one of those kids you would say, hey, you know, how are you doing today? We're talking about going to the store on Tuesday and she would just say, oh, the dog says bark, bark, rough, rough. Well, she's not meeting that goal too well. And she actually did not meet that goal because it was just too complicated for her. And that was my fault. I thought she could do it. And I obviously wasn't paying enough attention to her needs. Under IDEA 2004, they changed the rules. It used to be you wrote a goal and you wrote two to three objectives that tied into that goal. And each quarter the kids would work on that objective. You would, you would stack it. And I thought when they got rid of it in 2004, they got rid of those objectives that I would be so happy because writing objectives could be a real pain sometimes because you had to break it down. And sometimes it's harder to break down than you would think. Only I ended up really disliking it because I couldn't break it down that way. I had to all of a sudden cram four objectives into one goal and that made it almost impossible to make it measurable. So then what I started doing was breaking, writing more than one goal that tie, they all tied together. But then that meant I was trying to make the student meet an advanced goal before being able to meet the beginning goals so they would always fail that advanced, more advanced school, the one that was designed for fourth quarter. And that was, it was really frustrating. It was a frustrating experience. And um, some schools, the the districts will still require you to write the objectives. And I actually think it's a better way to go, even though it doesn't seem like it at first. Now, another thing that I was taught in my education was to write IEP goals that are just maybe a bit too difficult for them to get, just a bit, tiny bit, teeny tiny bit, then you're happily surprised when they meet that goal. Just the last part, and this is when we had objectives and the children could meet the objectives one through three, but then that fourth one, you're making it a stretch goal, basically. And when they can meet that, it's awesome. And if they can't, it falls on your shoulders, not on theirs. Now, this is another thing that is really difficult to do, and for a while, I was admittedly sliding underneath the radar and had not been doing a great job of aligning my IEP goals with the state standards, and some of it was just because we were always on the go and trying to find a state standard that matched the goal that I knew the child needed could take a really long time, and it was very frustrating The more experience I got writing goals and matching IEP goals together with state standards, the easier it got and the less likely I was trying to slide under. But it was honestly done in innocence of, I got to get it done. They're all over me. I got to get it done. It's got a deadline. It's got a legal deadline. What are you going to do if you're spending two hours trying to find a state standard to match that, like a state standard for tying your shoes? In California, they don't have state standards for kids with disabilities the way the way they do in other states. And so you have to kind of dig through there and think, well, what would be something a typical 7th grader would do that could be unpacked down to tying their shoes? So you can see where the illogic of that kind of falls into place. But still, either way, it has to be done, and you have to do it But what I would suggest, my big suggestion is any IEP goal you write, any IEP goal you see that you think is pretty awesome, whether it's related to your field or another one, copy it, stick it in a folder on your computer and use that. And make sure when you're doing it that you copy the state standard that goes with it if the person has put it there. And if not, then maybe when you have five minutes, sit down and try to find a state standard that works. And I'm not saying use that same goal exactly as it is because you can't, but you can use it to guide you to write another IEP goal that's more fitting for the child that you're currently writing an IEP with. And what do I mean by unpacking a goal? Goals have to be written for the age range that the child is in. So if a child is in seventh grade, all the state standards and the goals have to be written for a child that is in 7th grade. And if you work with multiply disabled children, you're trying to figure out how in the world you're going to do that right now. So we did what we called unpacking. And basically, we would find a goal at that age level and then follow it down, because it's all stacked on each other from grade, kindergarten up, follow it down until we found a level that the child could fit and use that standard. And then we discovered we had to write down the standard as the 7th grade. So what we would do is write 7th grade unpacked next to it to let people know that we realize that the child is is working on the 7th grade goal, but it's not at the same level as a typical 7th grader. It's down in one of the lower levels of that goal. So that's the basics of the IEP, IFSP goals and the requirements that go with that IFSP goals are a little bit different in the fact that it's for children that are under the age of three, so you don't have state standards really to line things up with. One advantage of that age group if you work with them. Now, how do you go about making and writing a good IEP goal? Somewhere along the line, I was taught this trick. I don't remember where, but it has been a lifesaver for developing IEP goals when I'm really stuck trying... To turn a great idea for the student into an IEP goal so what was this trick that I learned it truly is a great one that goes along the lines of I'll try to put this up in the notes on my website so you guys can see it a little bit easier but it starts off with either win or with given blank will do what." how many opportunities they will succeed at doing it out of how many times. So again, it's when or given something will do what out of how many opportunities successfully. So for example, it could be when given a typewriter, Emil will type 30 words a minute four out of five given opportunities so that's an example of how that type of IEP goal can work and you can use it for almost anything if you ever get stuck just think when given blank will do what out of how many opportunities so just keep that formula in mind so another reason why this is such a great way of writing IEP goals is that it can help you get equipment for students. It's much easier because now you have an IEP goal with that piece of equipment written in on it and how successful they have to be to get it. And if you can write more than one like that, having to do with that piece of equipment, even better. So remember that because you, if you like the districts and the places I've worked, you have to turn in the IEP that shows the equipment being put into use in the IEP goal. For example, one of the IEP goals that I wrote was when given a computer, student will use it to take notes on four out of five given opportunities as measured by a teacher tracking list. That way then I was able then to turn around and take that IEP goal and go to the district and say I need a computer to meet the goal. Now, here's another thing I did not mention about goals. In IEP goals, you cannot write the exact piece of equipment that you want. So let's say you want uh, the newest Mac laptop. You can't put that. You can't write when student is given newest Mac top that they can then get that for their piece of equipment. The way around this is is in the notes section, and if you remember an earlier podcast, I mentioned how important notes section is to IEPs, is you write in there in detail exactly what you think the child needs. There should also be a section in low incidence for those of you who have low incidence kids where you can describe the piece of equipment in detail there as well. So remember, assessment, Drives needs, needs drives the goals in IEPs and IFSPs. I will put up on my website some examples of some goals, and you can go ahead and grab them and use them if they work for you. And my website is www.touchingsuccess.education. So just like my email, and my email is emailjoy at education. My website is www.touchingsuccess.education And remember, feel free to email me if you have any questions or want something clarified. IEP goals are tricky and when you're brand new to writing them, they're even more tricky because it's just a different way of thinking about things. I promise they do get easier. You will end up with a nice list of different types of IEP goals as long as you write them down and keep them recorded. And if you have friends that also share what you do share the IEP goals back and forth it was a great project we did at one of the places that I worked where we were all the same type of teacher and we sat down and we sent around on our computers the different IEP goals that we were using with the kids and I still have those when you're looking to write IEP goals think about the things you're already doing with the student or students Like, I did a lot of community-based instruction, so I wrote IEP goals based upon their needs, but about going out into the community. So Next Highest Dollar was one that I did use for two students, different way of writing it for both of them because they were different levels. But we really worked hard on that, and it was something I was already doing, so it wasn't something I was having to go out of the way to do. And it's just like when you're teaching students to read and write, You're already doing that, so write a goal that reaches the point where you want them to reach within a year. Remember, you have a year. Don't think you're doing it in one quarter. Think ahead. Think further ahead. You've got a whole year that you've got to meet those goals with those kiddos. Something I forgot to add about equipment, that you can't name them, and that goes true when you're writing in the notes or in in any other section that requires a list of equipment. But describe it in detail. This piece of equipment can do such and such and such and such until you pretty much given the only choice is to that piece of equipment that you're looking for. If you practice that, you'll get good at it. And usually most supervisors go along with that. And when it comes to IEP goals, don't think along the lines of moving blocks from here to there or putting blocks in the right space, things like that. Try to come up with ones that are functional. If you want to find some, I have an earlier podcast that I talk about that. But I don't like to see IEP goals where the kid just put the circles in a box with circles in it. It's boring for the kid and really what good does it do, the child in the long run. Instead, think of how you can make that functional. So for example, I had one student, she liked to play with boxes and she liked marbles and so she would buy so many marbles, dump them into one container, shake them, then count them over to another container and shake them. And she loved it, but she's also learning to work with me on money and she's learning coordination and hand skills and things like that. And even then to me, that goal is kind of pushing the edge of what I prefer, but next highest dollar is always a great one. I always had a store inside of the classroom that I'd get stuff from the dollar store, and the kids would learn to save up money, and they would learn about how to manipulate the money, things along those lines. And it was really a good experience with those students. And by the end of the year, they were saving their money up for things that they wanted in the higher level amount of boxes because they're different boxes would cost different amounts of money. And even the older kids, the 16 through 18 year old kids that I had, they liked doing it too. One of them always got something for his sister. It was really sweet. You can also use IEP goals to justify things like going out into the community. And I think that that is such a good experience for almost all kids, all students. It's a field trip for them and it's fun for them. But at the same time, they're working on goals. have to do with being out in the community, taking a bus, working with money for that, next highest dollar skills, ordering skills if we go to a restaurant, cleaning up after themselves if we were at a place like McDonald's or Taco Bell, things like that. In other words, we do not want to create a whole bunch of children that are Daryl's. If you're not sure what I mean by that, go back to my podcast on functional goals and you'll hear a poem that I start the podcast off with And I think it's a very meaningful and a very good reality check of what we should be doing with our students. And I'm going to call it a night here. And I hope everybody out there is doing great and wonderful and that it's a nice break from teaching for at least a few weeks for those of you who are teaching summer school. And I hope something in here was helpful for you. And just a reminder, my email is email joy at touching dot education please email me with any questions you have ideas things that you might want to hear about anything along those lines it would be great and actually help me out to know what you guys are looking for